it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of really hardworking people that put in great work, you know, attorneys, doctors, people I've spoken with, they do great work, but they're just not found because they're not really doing the things that Google expects to see in a reputable, trustworthy business. Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. My guest on today's show is Hike Sakian. It's one of the smartest people I know about SEO and uh, organic search. He has worked with many of our clients and is part of our SEO team. He has his own SEO agency as well. He's actually been developing apps and building businesses from a really early age. And when I say early age, I'm talking like 14 years old. He's he, he's built Android apps that have more than 300,000 downloads. He went to UC Berkeley. He's got a passion for entrepreneurship. He started a real estate SaaS company, recruitment SaaS company. Um, just everything that he does is, is a huge success. He's landed coverage on several other talk shows, um, and I'm so happy to have him. We're going to talk about uh, what's working today for getting found in Google on page one. And uh, you're going to enjoy this show. I know you will. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is Make Your Marketing. I'm here today with Hike Sakian. Did I get that right? Sakian. Sakian. I always get it wrong. Dang it. So Hike Sakian works on one of our SEO teams here at Fingerprint Marketing and also um, has his own company, Logic Inbound in Seattle. And today we're talking everything SEO. So for, for you newbies out there, that stands for search engine optimization. Welcome to the show, Hike. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Pia. Yeah. So we talked a little bit before we went on this interview about you know, there's so much we could talk about with search engine optimization. Now, just off the bat, I want the audience to know the difference between we're not talking paid ads, pay per click or Google AdWords, we're going to talk about organic search engine optimization, which is my favorite, because all the SEO that we've built up in the last 14 years is all from what I've learned from my SEOs and you know, just making tweaks and testing things. And now we get 50% of our leads from from being found on Google. So our goal is to help the audience kind of debunk the myths out there about SEO and how they can make a few tweaks to improve getting found on page one. So let's dive in. So can you give us the three-legged chair of SEO, of local SEO? What does it consist of? Great great question, Pia. Um, I think it's a good question because a lot of times, if you're just trying to get familiar researching online, it can be overwhelming. There's so many videos, so many blog posts, 
and people write thousands and thousands of, we wrote a whole ebook about what is SEO and how does it work? But really yeah. it comes down to three simple things, which is your technical factors. Is your website built soundly? Is it easy for Google to understand your content, the actual written words on your website? Do those match with what your consumers are actually searching for? And then link factors like your online PR, your digital presence. Are you considered reputable compared to all the other people that do something similar to you online? Got it. So, so it just comes out, it sounds simple enough, right? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of work to be, be done. And, uh, what I usually tell our, our clients is that the on page stuff that you do is, it's almost the easy stuff. It's the backlinks and the content pr- mm-hmm. production and all that. So what are some of the common myths about local SEO that, that the regular consumer might believe and not really know the true answer to in 2021? For sure. A common myth, and this is still pretty common today, is a lot of people assume that, you know, that when you look at something on Google, you know, the things that the ads, you know, those are all paid for, you know, you you can trust them to a certain extent. And then everything after that, where it's the algorithm, you know, the people assume that it has your best interests at heart and Google's really trying to think what's the best thing for you to, to, for you to see. They're so such great there. guys. <laughs> yeah. The, the unfortunate truth is that most of the time there's people like me, marketers behind the scenes that are changing like what the company's website looks like, how they're positioned online to appear more highly compared to other businesses. It's, it's unfortunate that a lot of really hardworking people that put in great work, you know, attorneys, doctors, people I've spoken with, they do great work, but they're just not found because they're not really doing the things that, Google expects to see in reputable, trustworthy business. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, probably the majority of people out there are saying, you know, this is not in my wheelhouse. This is not something that I went to school for or trained for. So as a business owner, how is Google expecting me to not only get to a minimal viable product for my website, but how to mm-hmm. keep up, right? Because competition is fierce. So what do you say to them? Yeah, I mean, the Sad part is Google doesn't really want to tell you directly what to do. They'll tell you things like, you know, your website should be fast because, you know, if your website is fast, they can look at it more quickly. They can look at all your pages, things like that. And those are, you know, one of the three legs, the technical factors. Mm -hmm. They tell you a little bit about content. You know, they tell you you should write things naturally that people who are your customers would search for. And, you know, broadly speaking, it's a lot of things that are sort of true, technically true, maybe used to be true at some point, but they're not going to out and out say, you know, you need to put a keyword in your title of your website that matches what people are searching for when they look for your service. You, know, you need to use words that are creative, sure, to get people to click, but you also need to have words that match what people are searching for. So that's really the most basic thing that I think is not communicated clearly at all, but yeah, That's so they're the they're telling you what's wrong with everything, but they're not telling you really how to fix it or how to optimize it is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. They're, yeah. They're, they might tell you what's broken. You know, you have a page that's not loading, but they don't really tell you, you know, what do you need to do proactively to get better results? Yeah. So let's let's go back a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about like creating, I call it the minimal viable product. So your website mm-hmm. is a product, a marketing tool. What right. is the minimum, aside from you need a fast website loading, what are some other key factors that uh, a business owner can address right away? Great, great question. And, and again, this is going to sound very basic, but I've seen you know billion-dollar companies make this mistake. There's a checkbox if you're using a WordPress website, 
something like that. There's a checkbox that says, you know, hide my website from search engines. If you have that checkbox checked, you won't show up in Google. Sounds very basic, but still, that's the easiest, fastest way to just uncheck that box. But let's assume you've gotten some of the bare basic technical factors out of the way. You work with someone like Pia who didn't make any of those basic mistakes. You know, the, for an MVP, you really want to make sure you have content on your website that matches your primary service or product that people are searching for. If you're a personal injury attorney, you would want to have the word personal injury attorney on your homepage with content explaining, you know, what are the case areas and how does it work and so on and so forth. Google is still very text driven, even though most people nowadays, you know, they consume memes and videos and things like that. Text is really what informs Google what your website is about. So MVP, you know, make sure Google can actually read your website, check that, you know, uncheck that box, make sure you have content that really matches what you want people to find you for. And then from a, a basic digital PR, digital presence perspective, having a Google My Business, Google Local Business Profile, even if that's your only link that you have for your website, that's an excellent starting point. Um, it tells Google that you are a real business that exists in the world because they send you a postcard to, to make sure. Yeah. And um, it's a link from Google to your website. And Google trusts themselves more than any other third party out there. So. And for those that don't aren't familiar with Google My Business, it's a business directory, your piece of property on the digital uh, internet that helps people find you in maps and in search. Um, I have a question of my own that I ran into the other day. Uh, if you update your Google My Business li listing, mm -hmm. let's say you change addresses or hours or whatever, does that automatically update Apple Maps or, or do you have to do that through a different, through Apple Maps? Great, great question. So some service providers do just directly take the information from Google. Mm -hmm. Apple can do one of two things. Either they will automatically take your information from Yelp or if you create your own Apple account, you can define it directly yourself. So okay. to answer your question, no, if you update your Google address or things like that, Apple and Yelp, they don't automatically get those. You have to do those manually. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, Google My Business is so powerful. I know you and I have talked about it um, mm -hmm. a lot and it's like a whole nother podcast interview. But as of today... They're, uh, well, not today, but rolling out in May. I know that Google is going to take into consideration the user experience. So for, mm -hmm. for those out there that are not, they're like, well, what the, what does that mean? It's mm -hmm. the, it's the journey that you take a prospect on your website when they arrive, right? Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about why that's important to Google and how you can improve it? Great question. So why it's important to Google. The real reason why it's important to Google is because faster websites consume less of their resources. And so mm. they can, you know, produce a more effective search engine. They can crawl more of the internet with fewer resources if websites generally load quickly. So they're using, they're tuning their algorithm to directly reward people that make it cheaper and easier for them to browse the web. Um, also, they're doing it to help users. Um, they say that they're only doing it to help users, but really, you know, there's a business behind it. Yeah, uh, And they found that from numerous studies that people that go to a website, it loads quickly, they interact with it, they have a pleasant experience, they make a good association with Google mm -hmm. uh, over time. I'm sure back in 
if anybody here is old enough remembers when Yahoo and AltaVista and things were what you searched for. Gosh, so often, long ago. <laughs> you type something in, click on it, not what you want. Go back, yeah. type something in. Like, it would be a whole thing just to find something. Nowadays, yeah. it's really, you can just ask your phone and bam, you got it. So they yeah. want to make sure that that experience continues to hold true and improves. Um, and that's really why they're doing it. How you can, what you could do about it as a you know, person with the website. Um, fortunately, unless you're a developer or you're working with, with someone like Pia, really the best advice I might have is to use a, a trusted platform, something like Shopify or um, Squarespace, if you're just completely DIY. Mm-hmm. Because they've got a whole team of engineers that spends a lot of time making sure your website was relatively quickly. It's yeah. not going to be as good as what you could get working with someone who's really handcrafting something for you. Right. But it's better than something you could hack together yourself. God forbid if you're trying to custom code it and follow YouTube tutorials as you do the thing. So, <laughs> um, And there are people out there that do that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about content. So you, everyone's heard content is king. Mm-hmm. Blogging's been around forever. I think podcasting is the new blogging now. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's got a podcast. So let's talk about how Google uses content how often how long does the content need to be the types of content what's working today um, for a business that needs to keep content fresh great question so what's happening over the years is since google's algorithm is so heavily based on text to inform whether or not something is useful for a customer that naturally lends itself to blogs Uh, because if you imagine let's say a company's homepage. You might want to be very concise, you're copywriting, trying to get to the point. But from Google's perspective, they don't really understand what you're going on. You might, you might have a few words here and there. So that's where blogging comes in, basically informs Google what you're about, why they should show you in the search results. From a practical perspective, a lot of the terms I look at for clients I work with, uh, one I was looking at the other day is very technical, very complicated industry like plastic resins for manufacturing, right? Oh. Exciting. Now it's, you know, if you look at that keyword today, it's mostly blog posts and those search results, very few just home pages and landing pages, things like that. So if you want to appear in Google search results, more and more you're having to develop blog content to show up when people are searching. That's just the truth of it. Yeah. But also uh, videos and podcasts, right, are, are indexable or fa- are easy to find yeah. on search. Yeah, for sure. There's a whole conversation about YouTube that we could have. Um, the key statistic most people might not realize YouTube is actually the second largest search engine in the world. So, you know, you see it when you search for something like, let's say, how to tie a tie or something on Google, they'll have a video pop up. But more than that, people are just going straight to YouTube. So, mm-hmm. anybody with a national level audience, like if you're e-commerce, you know, you know, national consultant, that kind of thing, definitely needs to pay attention to YouTube. Um, you haven't necessarily cracked the code from my point of view in terms of local businesses mm-hmm. for video. It's still kind of mostly Google business for maps and then local pages. But definitely if you have a national audience, you need to seriously consider video content in addition to your written. Yeah. One simple way to do that is you might do a podcast kind of like this, and then you mm-hmm. can transcribe it and get that text and you know save yourself the time of having to think, you know, gosh, what am I going to write 2,000 words about? when it comes to this plastic resin manufacturing thing. Yeah, exactly. You could just kind of talk on a video, whether it's yourself or an interview. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's obviously there's a bunch of 
talk around length of content. Mm-hmm. Um, last statistic I read this week was um, the average top 10 positions have 2,500 words. Yep. Yeah, that's about average. Keeps going up every year. So yeah, yeah. 2,500, I would say, is the rule of thumb in 2021. If you're watching this maybe two years from now, Look at the newer statistics. Like five thousand, <laughs> they're going to increase. Um, yeah. So definitely, you know, good rule of thumb. Usually, when we're getting really in the weeds, we'll actually look at the word count of every individual competitor on a particular keyword, and then try to get more than what they're doing. Sometimes, right. and not just more, but better quality or more expanded, right? More in depth, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. Getting really in you know a simple example i can give you is think about like a scientific paper like how mm-hmm. they get way into everything and frankly the truth of it is most people are probably not going to read a lot of that content but they'll read the part that applies to them mm-hmm. and they'll click on the call to actions they see on that page so right. those are really the keys to tie it all together into a business outcome you ever find yourself not able to reach your website company or your website's down and you have no one responding. So that's pretty scary when you rely on your website to bring in leads and and close business. I was just on a call with a prospect today who uh, runs a large fishing establishment. They do fishing tours and teach uh, fly fishing and all sorts of fun things in Colorado. Their site was down for two weeks with no response from their website guys. We do not want that to happen to you and your business. It is crucial that you always have your website up and optimized and loading fast and someone kind of in your back pocket to watch out for it. And that's something that we specialize here at Fingerprint Marketing. Uh, If you are interested in chatting about how we can um, be part of your toolkit and uh, make sure that you're never in that position of of not being able to reach your, your web person, Give us a call at 425-283-3943 or head on over to fingerprintmarketing.com and book a consult. And you touched on a couple things. So how do you balance the content for a reader? Because you don't want to sound like a bot and Google. So that's like, how do you do that? So you can make your audience happy as well as Google. Great question. It's, it's a really big challenge, frankly. The best solution I've found so far is to try to break up your, let's say you have a very long blog post or something, try to break it up into bite-sized sections that directly mm-hmm. speak to what your users are searching for. A simple way that you could do this, if you're just doing it on your own, is you could put in your keyword into Google and then look for a little section that says, people also ask. And it'll oh. say, you know, people who are looking for this topic, they're asking questions like, well, how much does it cost? And how long does it take? And does it, you know, does this treatment hurt? Like a good example I was looking for, you know, one of our clients, they're showing up for COVID vaccine for in their area. And some of the questions were like, oh, can I take Tylenol after I get a COVID vaccine? Or can I do this? Can I do that? And just answering those questions, almost like an FAQ for every single page you do. Yeah. It's a very simple way to help Google understand what you're about help people you know, they'll just jump to the part that you want and do the call to action hopefully um, you're all set from so this gets a, this gets a little bit away from seo but it also supports what you just said 
we build our copy or our the the website pages based on the idea of um, they ask you answer. So ninety two percent of your prospects come to your website and they already know whether they're going to work with you or not. Right? They they don't want to be sold. You know, before they make a, a call or purchase an item, they've already researched you all across the internet. And they typically have the same questions as the next prospect, right? Mm-hmm. So you might as well spell it out for them and, and have the answers already there. So mm-hmm. FAQs, I think, really are helpful. And then you mentioned super important, and this is such an easy fix. If you have multiple services or multiple products, make sure that you have one page for each of those services and even break it down even more. If let's say a service like web design, you have WordPress development or app development, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you break it down to the simplest uh, keyword, right? A hundred percent. And you can use the actual search results from Google to kind of test your theories. So for example... I'll use attorney because I'm just looking at this. You might search, you might be thinking, do I need a page for, let's say, dog bite injuries in Seattle yeah. or something? So the way to figure that out is you could just go and search that on Google. And then also in a separate window, search for your main page that you already have. Let's say personal injury. It's pr- pretty common. And mm-hmm. then you just compare. Do I see the same pages coming up over and over? Because that's Google telling you that, no, you don't really need a whole separate thing. Or are they mostly different, which is in this case, they were going to be mostly different. Um, and then you create that whole separate page. But okay, so then ru- you do want a separate page. Yep. Good rule of thumb, like Pio was saying, you know, if you have different types of services, different types of products, um, different categories of products, you know, even different industries that you serve, generally having additional separate pages for those is good for SEO. Yeah. So, which leads me to keyword research, um, mm-hmm. which is super important, right? That's kind of phase one of the work that you do with uh, our clients as you, mm-hmm. what, tell me a little bit about what you're looking at and maybe if there's um, a few things that, uh, that your our audience can do on their own to, to mm-hmm. research some keywords. Great, great question. A good starting point for me is always just describing all the information you already know it's from list of you know products or services you make just list them out literally list if you're a service-based company you know services uh, list of industries that you work with oftentimes mm-hmm. people search for like plastic for automotive you know, industry specific and then lastly look at your customer questions um, let's say for example if customers are emailing you what are the questions they're actually asking you about in their emails what are the words that they're using a good example would be like we have a junk removal company. The types of emails and questions that people ask him are, you know, can you guys pick up mattresses? You know, I have an old sofa or, you know, I have a big refrigerator. How much does it cost? You know, people tell you kind of the information. There's SEO tools out there that can help you find this faster. But if you're really just doing it yourself, you don't want to spend any money. Start with what you've got and that should give you plenty to work with. Maybe once you've run out, look for more. Um, and then a simple tip as well is when you start applying that inf- information, you'll start to see where you need more different pages and content. Example being we have a chiropractor and sure, they want to show up when people search for the word chiropractor, but they also want to show up when people search for like you know, back pain doctor, neck, you know, neck mm. pain relief, like all the different things that someone with that profession can search for. So a, qu- a quick cheat sheet I just made for doctors because we work with a lot of them is you have your profession keywords like naturopath, uh, 
cardiologist, dermatologist, whatever, all those different ones. Mm. You have your treatments that you provide to people, chiropractics is a good example. And then you have your conditions that you help treat. So people that are not uh, like a treatment might be something like neuropathy treatment. Condition mm-hmm. might be something like you know feet swelling or you know sharp feet foot pain things like that. That is super helpful, and mm-hmm. you could take this and do this with other industries, right? You just you are are thinking, putting yourself in the consumer's shoes and thinking, mm-hmm. what are all the questions? What are, what's the discussion that's happening online? Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about backlinks. So I mm-hmm. you know. Backlinks don't work. Backlinks aren't important. Backlinks are very important. Backlinks are very hard to get. Like all this discussion. Um, but I know that having list directory listings is probably the easiest and first step. Am I wrong? Um, you're not wrong. It's, it's okay. a great first step. Um, I would say the initial goal from day zero, if you're completely new, yeah. is you want to prove to Google that you are a brand that actually exists in the world. You are a real business that has is referenced online and doing those types of things directories and really the basics helps you appear for your brand name it, it always you know puts a tear in my eye when i see a huge company and you search the name of their business and they just don't show up yeah it's like, it's like come on yeah it's easy like the very basic thing so that's that's what i would think about first is show up for your own name um yeah and, that kind and of again, this is just this is just a directory listing like Yelp or Avo mm-hmm. or there's what hundreds and thousands of yep. them out like there and Apple.com. yeah, everything. Bing, so and yeah. and there are services that will do that for you, like Yext mm-hmm. or Moz Local, because manually it's really a lot of work. But yep. um, the one thing to make sure is that you are listing it exactly the same on every directory, right? Mm-hmm making sure that the name is correct, the phone number, everything. Um, let's change directions a little bit. A lot of folks that we talk to are like, oh, well, I just want to do social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to post on social media. Now, I know that content on social media will will affect how mm-hmm. you get traffic on, on your website. But my argument is people, unless you're doing Facebook ads or you have products, mm-hmm. they're not on Facebook to buy. They're just there to be entertained and to check up on the gossip. But when they're actually searching on Google, they have what we call buyer intent, Mm -hmm. right? So they're actually there to to make a purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you talk a little bit about how good SEO and social media marketing works together? And, and, you know, is it 5050? Is it depending on the industry? Yeah, I would say a a good rule of thumb to use is how how well established is your the type of thing that you do? I'll use an example. So uh, lawyers, very common industry. People understand, people have known about lawyers for years. It's not a new product or service that um, you have to educate people about. You might you know, appear on Google so that your particular law firm shows up, but people understand the general concept. Um, they're not going to learn about law firms for the first time from a Facebook post. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're a startup creating an innovative new product, maybe it solves a problem people didn't even realize that they had, then social media is a definitely a great place to do that. Mm-hmm. And it works together, like you said, Pia. So an example, one of our clients, they created a new type of supplement that was really useful for intermittent people that do intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And they had a TikTok post that went viral. Rarely happens. Super cool. They're very grateful. Yeah. And 
when we looked at their analytics and their data, we saw that almost a third of the people that found them during that time were coming in through Google, searching for the brand name or like intermittent fasting supplement. They saw something, but then, you know, they searched to find the actual thing that they saw. Yeah, that's super cool. That's my next, my next uh, plan is to get on TikTok. <laughs> it's like trying to, some of this uh, content is a little dry, but maybe we can make it fun. Um, the last question I have for you that is on everyone's mind. And the first question I always get is why is SEO so expensive? Yeah, gr- great question. I think the biggest reason why it's expensive is because there's, it's kind of like real estate. There's a finite amount of real estate. And there's multiple people that want it and they're willing to invest more and more time and effort in order to get it. So if you imagine, you know, New York Square, you know, New York Times Square, whatever, you know, that real estate is millions and millions of dollars. But you look at it, it's like a dinky shoe closet with a, a sign in the front. I don't know if you, you know, anyone's ever looked at New York real estate, but it's, it's the same concept with SEO. It's expensive just because, you know, prob- you're probably going after something where people who are searching for it are willing to pay oftentimes hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for a transaction. And so the market has kind of become more sophisticated and savvy over the years. And so prices generally increased. So unfortunately, so, that's why. Yeah. So, and, and of course, different industries like personal injury, all that mm-hmm. are, are even more competitive, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you should ignore search engine optimization, right? For sure. But there's definitely yeah. ways to do it efficiently, um, cost-effectively, even in that example of like a personal injury person yeah um, google my business is basically free and they've tried to make it as simple as possible for people to do it themselves you know if you only do one thing from this talk if you only take away one thing it's register a profile with google my business you know, make sure to fill in all the boxes they give you and that yeah. gives you a really good head start to yeah. And I have, I have, um, some, some training on that that I'll put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, just go to business.google.com and, and, and start the directory listing or update it and optimize it. So mm-hmm. I could go on for hours. So we're going to have to do another interview hike. This has okay. been awesome. You're super on trend with everything that's going on and it's, it's hard to keep up, right? With, with all the changes. Yeah. Yeah. There's always changes and it's, you have to sift through, you know, what is, real versus what is you know hot air what's actually happening on the ground versus what's going to happen three years from now a lot of information out there for sure yeah yeah but it's not it's not uh it's not getting easier this has been super helpful lots of takeaways for our audience um if you guys enjoyed this podcast episode please subscribe comment like share and uh we'll bring hike back uh maybe next month for uh we'll talk about google adwords Yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Hike, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Pia. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And 
by the way, you can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening.